Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to LettermanRow.com. I am Jeremy Birmingham. This is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Buyers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, head over to BuyersAuto.com and check out their selection of new and used vehicles. If you're looking for stuff about Ohio State football recruiting, stick right here. Today, myself and Zach Carpenter and Spencer Holbrook are going to talk about a number of things around of Buckeyes football recruiting, including the top Seven list for A.J. Harris, a five-star cornerback in the class of 2023. What's happening with the Ohio State offensive line recruiting? Some defensive line dominoes that are shaking out and more. So uh, let's get to it. Welcome, Zach and Spencer. We're talking stuff. Um, guys, it seems like the entire world of recruiting is like now accelerating, right? And this massive, like collision is coming with signing day and a lot of times i think people are constantly expecting things to happen when it comes to ohio state and commitments and this has to happen and why isn't this happening why isn't this happening um so let's just start with what is happening right i mean there we talked about it a little bit the other day in the, in the last episode but there's there's some real questions about the ohio state coaching staff and what happens with the defense and i think that it's pretty clear that that kids around the country are, are waiting for some answers. Am I wrong? Am I crazy? It's just, we were waiting so long for the visits to finally happen. And I think we were all kind of in agreement that once, once a few visits finally happen, that things would kickstart. We'd start seeing some momentum back for the 2022 class, maybe see uh, multiple commitments for a 23 class. Uh, when, when we're looking at Ohio state and it hasn't happened because of the instability, and uh, especially defensively. I mean, you're not wrong. You're absolutely right. Exactly what's happening. Where I think a, a lot of these guys. It, is it hard to blame them, Spencer? I mean, I mean, you you kind of have to uh, you kind of have to wait and see how things shake out, don't you? Well, I mean, at this point, there's no instability really, but really there's a lot of instability in, in a way like Kerry Combs is still recruiting for Iowa state. All these guys are still on the same staff, but it, like, you know, there are changes coming. Like we don't have to beat around the bush here on this wonderful show that is talking stuff presented by buyers auto. If you're looking for a new used car, go to buyersauto.com. But uh, anyways, like you're going to be a great host someday. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, of moving parts here. And, you know, like you said, Zach, I thought, me personally, I thought the Oregon game would be the Kickstarter of all this. Well, Ohio State sucked in the Oregon game, and a lot of recruits saw them suck in the Oregon game. And the atmosphere was great, so the result doesn't really matter. But the reverberations of that are still being felt because of the way the defense played and the way that that everything's unfolded since then. And so, yeah, like you guys said, there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, and the recruiting yeah. trail, guys, perception becomes reality, right? Like that's that's sort of the message when it comes to recruiting. A lot of the times is that it it doesn't matter if Ohio state has all the same coaches that they had three weeks ago, it doesn't matter if Ohio state has all those same coaches next March, to be honest, Ohio state could 
conceivably make no changes with the coaching staff. Maybe starting this coming Saturday against Akron, everything writes itself and the Buckeyes get way better. And all of a sudden, everything clicks into place. But that doesn't matter because right now, the perception is that Ohio State's defense sucks and their coaching staff is all under the hot seat, right? So none, nothing matters other than what recruits are hearing from other coaches. And right now, it is open season on the Buckeyes' defensive recruiting targets. And I think it's clear that we're seeing some reluctance at this point coming out of top longtime targets like Xavier Wampa, who's going, okay, what's what's going on? Matt Barnes has recruited him longer than anybody, but maybe Matt Barnes won't be at Ohio State next year. Who knows? Maybe who, you, we just don't know what kids are being told. Um, and I think that plays in perfectly to the, the first player we're going to talk about on this show, and that's A.J. Harris, who on Tuesday – uh, the five-star cornerback, 2023 class, released his top seven schools, dropped it from a top 13 that he had in July. Ohio State makes the list, which is not a surprise. But, Zach, I mean, you've talked to, to his father, Dan, in the last couple of days, and there was no uh, hesitation on his part to say that they're hearing worrisome things about the Ohio State staff, correct? Yeah, and you mentioned the words "the list." Uh, when we do our when we do our versions of the list, if we were going to do a twenty twenty three episode of that right now, he would probably be what the first guy. That's probably the second or third guy after Sonny Styles. Yeah, um, for sure to be up there. And I mean, yeah, there there's there's honesty there, and I I I enjoy it. Like I'm glad that they're they're being um, transparent about it. I mean, Kerry Combs is the one who's been doing. 90% of the talks, 90% of the communication with the cornerbacks, especially with AJ Harris. So if you're hearing all these rumblings and rumors uh, about whether or not he's even going to be on the staff at the end of the season, um, and you're hearing and you're seeing the product on the field where uh, the corners are doing well, the corners have been playing, playing well for Ohio state. But when you're seeing all of this, it, I don't, I don't know how you're if you're in the position of AJ Harris or his family. I don't know how you're supposed to look at it as anything other than, all right, we want to wait to see what happens. And I think you you saw that with he set his commitment date for January 11th, um, which is it, it's his birthday, but also that's kind of, that's a it's it's a good time frame to kind of see how things shake out with Ohio State and then um, see where see where uh, the other defenses that are in his his top seven like Clemson and Alabama. Um, how, how those uh, coaching situations or defensive staffs uh, wind up going. And then, and he, he, he's going to be taking game visits uh, this fall. And uh, I don't know, I just, I think it's smart of him to, to, for them to look at it kind of analytically like that. Don't you? I do Spencer. Is it unfair that Ohio state, like uh, this is the question I want to ask you, Spencer. So Alabama's defense, it, it's average. Okay. It's not like the world's greatest defense. Uh, Nick Saban replaces his coaches. Literally. It seems like every single year he re retools his entire staff, but they're not held to the standard where, Oh, if they lose this coach, then, you know, maybe things change. Why is Kerry Combs being held to that standard and other schools you think aren't. And that, that's not like Georgia or, or Clemson who continue to play great defense. Ohio state's defense right now is, is up, you know, obviously up in the air, but Alabama has like the 125th ranked pass defense in the country. So why are they not held to that same standard? Because normally when Nick Saban replaces coaches, he wins the national championship and Ohio state just makes the playoff and doesn't win the national championship. So I think that there's still that recruiting pitch of, Hey, come here and win a national championship. 
And that's a really big sell. Like that's not something that, that students, that, that prospective athletes take uh, lightly when you can just walk in and win a national championship. That's, that's a big sell. And so like, I don't think it really matters when you try to rec- recruit against Alabama like that, because they'll say, okay, we have that defense, but guess what? We're still going to win the national championship. Whereas Ohio state's got to kind of fight that uphill battle of, you know, having that reputation right now of just having a defense that was embarrassed the last time it was against a big opponent. Um, something I just just kind of came across my mind uh, when you were asking Spencer that question is at Alabama, don't you kind of expect at this point that the coaches are going to be there for a short amount of time? It's kind of going to be a leaping pad. I mean, Kerry Combs wasn't expected to be gone after this year. A lot of these coaches are expected to uh, to to stay on staff. I mean, doesn't don't you think that kind of has something to play with it? To, no, it does. It does, no doubt. But I think it's also a matter of at Alabama, I guess, and I'm answering my own question here. The coach that you're going to play for is Nick Saban. Similarly to how Ohio State was, you were going to play for Urban Meyer. It didn't matter who the assistants were. You were going to play for Urban Meyer. So I guess this is a situation where Ryan Day and doesn't have the gravitas yet. Uh, on the national level to overcome those sort of um, th- those sort of shifts in the coaching staff. But I, I don't know that there's any reason to doubt that Ohio State for 100 plus years has been pretty recession proof when it comes to college football and recruiting to, to think that Ohio State won't replace any coach if they do replace them with someone else that's equally competent and qualified and, and, and well respected. But you know, I think the interesting thing about AJ's situation, guys, is that he went on, he posted his his top seven and the qu- commitment date. And then like an hour later, Zach, he posts, uh, if I actually find my home, the school I like the most by December 13th, I'll commit then. So like January 11th is the commitment date, but it could be December 13th. And I guess it could be next week. You just like, we just never know with these kids because they're all so fluid in the situation. But after getting to know AJ over the last handful of months, I don't think that he's the type of kid that's going to commit somewhere and then look around still. So for Ohio State's purposes, if they were to make a coaching change, I think it all but rules them out because he's not going to, the new coach wouldn't have enough time to um, make an impact. Am, am I wrong? Uh, I don't, I don't know if you're wrong. That's that, like perfect segue into something I wanted to ask you guys, because I post this on, uh, a message board when talking about AJ Harris um, earlier today, when when Jeff Halfley left for the Boston College job, he left in mid December, and the pretty much over those next two weeks, we all knew that Kerry Combs was going to be wind up being the defensive coordinator. Austin Austin uh, Ward reported it, um, and it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that that was going to happen. We were just waiting out the Titans playoff run that season. Um, so like if, if day, if Ryan day, like all this is hypothetical, obviously, but if Kerry Combs moves on or there's a mutual party, whatever the phrasing at the end of the season, if day stays in house, which is what he's been, he's been want to do, um, with, with several of his hires, do you think uh, like, let's say he promotes Al Washington or promotes Matt Barnes or whatever goes a co-defensive coordinator route with the two of them, whatever, do you, don't you think that sort of like that in-house uh, uh, stability, I guess, that, that's not the word I'm looking for, but um, consistency, do you think that would play a factor? Because I know Matt Barnes talks to uh, guys like A.J. Harris a little bit, but not as much as uh, as Kerry Combs. 
I mean, yeah, Spencer, go ahead. Question. Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I mean, if you if you have stability on your staff, that's the key. Like, because because we talk about it, like comfort and relationships is everything. Uh, you know, and and Ohio State is the best, one of the best in the country at building those the comfort and building those relationships. And if you sever a tie like that, you're not just going to pick right up, right back up where you left off. But at the same time, if you keep guys there that that he knows, like a Matt Barnes, even if you go out and hire a new entire defensive coordinator, and if you keep the other defensive coaches on the staff, like you're going to see some continuity there to a point where guys are going to trust that you know what you're doing. But I mean, like. This I don't think this is the offseason where Ohio State's going to promote. And again, this is all hypothetical, so it's kind of getting in the weeds a little bit. But like you know, Ohio, if Ohio State makes a change to defense coordinator, it's going to have to be a splash. It's not going to be a promote from within. But but at the same time, you know that splash could lead to uh, positive things on the recruiting trail, where it's negative for getting rid of one coach, but you you add something by getting another coach, and so. You know, that's all to say that continuity can be good, but it might not be the end all be all in recruiting. Yeah. And there, there's there's key decisions that are going to have to be made. I mean, I don't think it's ever a good idea to make wholesale changes with an entire staff. If Ohio State's like, oh, you know, what? our defense has been bad for two years. Let's everyone's gone. Like, that's not good, you know, but it's also not necessarily good if you lose one of the country's premier recruiters and 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 replace him with someone that doesn't know the Ohio State culture. And I thought, you know, on, on Tuesday at Ryan Day's press conference, he talked a lot about Gary Combs and, and the way that he views Ohio State and the way that he loves Ohio State. And that's part of the reason that makes Gary Combs such a successful recruiter for the Buckeyes is how much he genuinely loves Ohio State. Um, and, and I think that that's something that constantly is noticeable to the recruits that he talks to, and that plays a big part in what, what he does. But, you know, getting into A.J., and clearly, the relationship he has with Ohio State is predicated on Kerry Combs at this point. So it, there's all these moving parts. And I, I think it's the worst part about this is that it happens in the middle of the season because it, Matt Barnes can pick up the phone and start calling A.J. Harris more. You know, that's conceivable. Uh, and well, Kerry Combs could move on or, or be demoted or something else could happen come December or January. But you still don't have any real concept of, or, or then ability from Ryan Day's perspective to sell the idea of continuity because anything can happen. Uh, you know, I think Kerry Combs has proven that he's really, really good with the kids he recruits and that he, that he likes and, and plays those guys. I think that's why we're seeing all of a sudden some of these younger guys getting some reps to Denzel Burr. I think Kerry Combs is a guy who trusts his guys. And if you look at the Ohio State defensive roster right now the guys that are at the top of the list as far as experience uh are not guys Gary Combs recruited he, he was gone from 2017 2018 uh and 2019 so what those years are, are who the roster is comprised of primarily on the defensive side of the ball and I think that there is a argument to be made that you should give him another chance to keep building the roster that he wants and, and you see the the young guys and, and I wrote about it on Monday, but sometimes it's just simple about having better players. And AJ Harris is one of those types of players that Ohio state can say, this is the type of guy that can run this scheme and run it the way they want it. And I think that that's part, all part of the conversation. And to stay on, to stay on this same wavelength, but also kind of deviate when, when you bring up those, when you bring up guys like Denzel Burke and those numbers, when looking at AJ uh, specifically, the the defensive back numbers was something that 
um, that they that they talked about. Um, when, when you bring in uh, all the guys they have in the 21 class, Jordan Hancock, Jaquelin Johnson, and the other guys, and then in 2022, I think the defensive back numbers, um, because that is something that's been been public uh, with the with AJ's recruitment, a lot of that's been alleviated. Um, a lot of like the the concerns about the defensive back numbers were alleviated um, when when uh, Kerry Combs and Ryan Day had talked to the the Harris family and. Um, like I know Jair Brown and Ryan Turner, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jair Brown and Ryan Turner, I believe, are the only, no doubt about it, cornerbacks. Kai Stokes is a safety. Uh, Terrence Brooks, I, I'm not I, I'm not as uh, familiar analytically with where, um, as you, Berm, with where he's supposed to be playing positionally, like what their vision is for him. Um, but I know the numbers, the defensive back numbers, is not as quite of a concern as it was uh, at this time, like six months ago. Oh, there's two different ways you can take that. Number one, even within the cornerback position, Spencer, there's different roles, right? You look at the Marcus Williamson's and the Cam Martinez's, and that's a different cornerback than Denzel Burke or or Cameron Brown, right? So you can still even delineate it even further. You can still break it down even further. I think the other part of this, as Zach alluded to, is that the numbers are not quite as daunting as initially concerns uh as the initial concerns were because if you think about the ohio state roster by the time aj harris who's a 2023 prospect so none of this you know it's not like you're talking about a kid who's making a decision and then being on campus in january he still has another year to go denzel burke jordan hancock jacqueline johnson are all going to be juniors by the time that aj harris is on the field for the first time so if if ohio state's history stays true those guys are likely to be there for one year that he's there uh seven banks uh, uh, will be gone cam brown will be gone legend cavazos will be a, a senior at that point and if he hasn't made an impact on the field by then he probably won't be on the roster by then anyway the same thing can be said about ryan watts so you know there's all these little parts and 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 the way that the college football world is going if a kid at ohio state at this point doesn't make an impact and make a, a real push for significant playing time by the time he's a sophomore or a redshirt freshman, it's almost a, a certainty that he's not going to be on the roster by the time he's, a, you know, a, a senior, right? I mean, th these kids are seeing the bigger picture and say, hey, if I'm not making any money sitting here at Ohio State not playing. So I think the, the transfer portal, all of these changes that are happening in college football can so dramatically change a roster in a two-year period that it's almost pointless for coaches to say, oh, this is who we're going to have on the roster then, because you truly have no idea. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Ohio State being recruited against that wide receiver. You know, you can point to all these guys, but in the 2023 class, none of these guys on the depth chart right now are even going to freaking be there. And so yeah. it's like, how do you recruit against Ohio State when it comes to wide receivers? How do you recruit against Ohio State right now when it comes to cornerbacks? Kerry Gomes his resume speaks for itself at cornerback. And I, I want to make sure that I'm crystal clear, very clear. His right, record there are questions about itself. him as a defensive coordinator. There are not questions about him as a recruiter or developer of cornerbacks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's two cornerbacks right now that are playing like first round cornerbacks on the roster right now. And that's because they've been coached by him at cornerback. The, 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 the amount of money that guys have made in the NFL was because of the teaching that they got from him at Ohio State. Like this guy is... Uh, resume, like I said, speaks for itself. And so it's going to be really hard, I think, if Kerry Combs is still on this on this staff in 2022 and 2023, it's going to be really hard to recruit against him at the cornerback position because he can point to so many millions of dollars and so many different guys that he's developed. 
And, you know, that's not to say that the defense can improve under him because I don't know, you know, that's still to be determined. But the bottom line is he can flat out coach cornerbacks. And so it, it will be tough to out-recruit him when it comes to cornerbacks. If there were doubts about Kerry Combs as a cornerbacks coach and developer, we wouldn't have spent the last 15, 20 minutes talking about A.J. Harris because he wouldn't even be considering right. – probably wouldn't be considering Ohio State. Um, and I know that we probably want to transition to something else, but real quick, something you did bring up was, I mean, how perfectly timed is this Denzel Burke, like, coming out party? I mean – it's proof in the pudding that if you come here, that you're going to get a shot. If you prove it on the field and the weight room and all that stuff, the film room, if you actually prove it, then you're going to get a shot to play from day one. And I mean, yeah. th- that's a perfect pitch that even, even with the defense in total uh, struggling, the corners playing that well, especially a true freshman like that playing well, looks great for a guy like AJ Harris or uh, Kay and Lee or Ethan nation. Some of those guys in the 23 cycle. Yeah. It's super trendy to to bash Kerry Combs, and I, I know people in the comments are going to say, you know, we're being homers, we're we're not being hard harsh enough on him. It's clear Ohio State has problems on defense, but I think that there are things that are coming that can fix it, and I think that a big part of that is the youth that Ohio State currently has on the roster. But as as Zach just said, if you want to know what Kerry Combs is about, think about Denzel Burke, who a year ago was playing wide receiver in high school in Arizona and is now a player in three games who is flashing all Big Ten type potential at corner. And that's that's something that really is impressive to see uh, and, and how fast it's happened. Uh, but anyway, A.J. Harris, decision date, January 11th, tentatively, could be December 13th, could be any time. Another player who could commit any time at all is Kenyatta Jackson, the four-star defensive end from uh, South Florida, who – is down to Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma. I think it's primarily Ohio State and, and Oklahoma. Um, it seems like this recruitment, guys, has just like stayed the same since about uh, the end of, of, G- of July. So what, what pushes it over the edge in one way or the other? I guess proof in the pudding. I don't know. That, Oklahoma's defense hasn't been wrong so but also Alabama's coming for versus Oklahoma like this one-on-one battle right and now he's saying well actually Alabama I probably should have probably should have talked about them more I mean I, I don't know Spencer is it is it development I know he's a he's a guy that we talked about uh me Berm and Andrew talked about on the list um how he might maybe he fits in three or scheme him and I white seem to be similar players that might not know Ohio State boys, but I mean, is it skill set? Is it development path? What what is it, Spencer? You you tell us. Well, if he's genuinely interested in Ohio State, it's if Larry tells you you can be a good defensive end, you better listen because you could probably be a good defensive end. And I think, you know, if you're Ohio State, that's that's the pitch, right? I mean, like that's that's always the pitch with these defensive ends. I don't know what exactly it comes down to because I don't know. Not as well as you guys do, but he's a freak athlete. He's the kind of guy that you want on your roster. He's the kind of kind of motor that you want uh, playing for you if you're a defensive coach, a defensive line coach. But at the same time, you know, if he thinks that his future is better, you know, as a three, four uh, outside linebacker than it is a four, three defensive end, then I mean, you know, more power to him. 
in my opinion, these guys should all just listen. You know, if Larry tells you you're going to be a defensive end, even if you don't want to go to Ohio State, you better be a defensive end because Larry knows what he's doing. But, you know, that that's just what the way I think of things because, you know, maybe it's a little bit of scarlet-colored glasses, but at the same time, he, like you said, Zach, you've said it, I think twice or three times now on this show, the proof is in the pudding. Oh, yeah, I'm maybe awesome I, I got to come up with a better phrase, but it, it is it, – it's the same thing – I keep saying about night white right like i think he he probably fits better as a three four outside linebacker and i know that a lot of other colleges do but it's like if larry johnson thinks they could be a great defensive end then like maybe his maybe his defensive line experience kind of trumps i do love pudding though so Snack it always reminds me of Billy Madison every time I say the word snack pack. Pudding is delicious. And folks, uh, sorry, we're having some internet instability issues tonight, I, I think, but I don't know why. And that is unfortunately the peril of recording a you know, podcast on the internet. Uh, we'll, we'll try to get that corrected. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Kenyatta Jackson and some other things uh, after this break. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. We're back. Thanks for coming back to Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Row and Byers Auto. Kenyatta Jackson, the thing with him, guys, is that I think it's just about wanting to feel like a priority at one of these schools. And I don't know if if it's because there's so many defensive linemen around the country that haven't committed yet. And I mean, we talk about them all the time, the Omari Abors, the Eni Whites, the Hero Canoes, the Chris McClellans, the Christian Millers, go down the list, the Caden Currys. Um, no, I know I talked to Kenyatta Jackson Sr. on Tuesday night. He said that Ohio State and Larry Johnson have not slowed down in their conversation with him at all since the season began. They are looking into when they can get up to Columbus for a game visit. That would be his third trip. He's got sort of a, tentatively has the Penn State game circled as the day they want to get up and make the trip. And I think it, this is just one of those things that's kind of a byproduct of the whole COVID year. There's so many of these kids that didn't get to go anywhere last year. And they haven't, you know, they've all taken official visits. They did all the summer thing to build relationships. But it, when you're talking about playing college football, the atmosphere that you're going to play in, the energy around the program that you want to go to still matters. And I think a lot of these kids are just wanting to make sure they see every facet of these programs that they're interested in. in and they didn't get a chance to do that before. And I think that's why in a lot of cases for Ohio State, especially, again, on the defensive line where they're still waiting for that first commitment, the momentum feels like it's stalled, but I don't think it is. I think it's just kids have, are doing exactly what they wanted to do. And that, that's exactly what we were talking about when we opened this podcast is we were waiting for these visits to finally happen. And then uh, we thought the we thought it would kind of explode. I mean, because, yeah, you do want to see what could be your next potential home. You want it. And beyond that, you also want to enjoy the recruiting process. That's what so many coaches and family members or former players, uh, whatnot, they tell they tell these kids, enjoy the process because this is the only time you're ever going to get this in your life. The only other time might be if if they wind, wind up getting to the NFL and wind up hitting NFL free agency. I remember 
hearing that one time uh, from a coach who was like, yeah, I tell my tell my kids just to kind of enjoy it. But um, you're seeing those visits. And I, when you go when you talk about the defensive line, guys, so many of them, I look at the defensive line and defensive linemen, especially the guys Ohio State's targeting kind of like the same way we do the quarterback dominoes. I don't know if you guys, uh, Spencer, if you kind of see the same same uh, thing. I mean, obviously, when Ohio State's wanting to bring in as many numbers, uh, four or five that they want to bring in, I, I, it feels like and it appears to be that everyone's kind of just waiting around to see who's going to be the first one and the second and third one. And then maybe, I mean, I'm not predicting that'll happen, but maybe we wind up seeing like a bunch of these guys commit within the same uh, two, three, four week span or something like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see some of these guys, some of these things happen pretty quickly. I think October and November are going to be just absolutely massive months when it comes to recruiting because you've got all the guys who already made their decisions after COVID happened and, you know, they were allowed to come back and uh, they were allowed to visit and then just made the decision. And then there are guys who thought they were going to do that. And because I think everyone thought they were going to do that, you know, see your five schools and, and make a decision. That's not how this game works a lot of the time. And so I think this this next couple months, especially on the defensive line, because some of the best defensive linemen in the country are just just kind of dangling out there waiting to see where they're going to go. And I think everybody it's not just Ohio State. So I know Ohio State fans are getting a little antsy with, you know, who's the, the defensive lineman going to be in this class? I think every fan base is like that right now, because some of the best defensive linemen that we've seen in a long time are in this class and they just they're not making decisions right now. And so once a couple of them do that, the dominoes will start to fall and you'll start to see all these guys commit in a, in pretty quick order. Yeah, and, and that's why it's interesting. A player like Chris McClellan, who's going back to Oklahoma this week for the second time in the last three weeks, who visited Florida last week, like he he was this close to committing to Ohio State in June and and decided, hey, I need to make sure I don't just surrender to that emotional like high, you know, and and now you watch and, and all these kids are going to make visits. They're going to see different places. And Ohio State it has been remained focused uh, on the same group of them. And I think that's why you see someone like Kenneth Grant, who I, we're all we were all very impressed by him when he camped at Ohio State in the summer. His six foot five, 350 pound frame, at, you know, running a five one forty. Ohio State doesn't seem like it's made him a priority uh, as much as like Michigan has, who had him up for their big game against Washington. And, and all of a sudden you start to see all the crystal balls and on three predictions and all these things start to, to flow towards the Wolverines when it comes to Kenneth Grant. And, and so much about recruiting right now is about loving who loves you. And that's the way recruiting should be. I mean, it, because again, these kids, see an opportunity around the country right now that is different than it used to be. This is not a situation where I need to go to Ohio State to get attention. I need to go to Ohio State to get a chance to get, uh, you know, a claim or, or, or known around the country. Now you can pretty much do it anywhere. Name, image, and likeness has changed so many of these things where kids can go to Tulsa, for example, and, and say, hey, I'm the star at Tulsa. You're going to, you're going to, I was driving down the street in Toledo the other day and I saw a billboard with Bryant Kobach, Toledo's running back on it with a car dealership. Like you can get it anywhere at this point. I mean, the, the game is changing. And so you've got to really be sure about your choice. Um, and, and Ohio State needs to be very sure that the players that they're recruiting are the right fit uh, for them. And I think that's why everyone right now is sort of slowing things down. And I don't think it's something Ohio State is concerned about, but I also think it's something that in some small manner, I think they're happy about it because maybe it means that a lot of these kids will make less 
rash decisions when they're on campus and when they are committed or when they are a part of the roster because they they really were more comprehensive in their in their breakdown. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, it sounds. I know what you mean. It sounds like you think Tulsa is going to be the next Alabama. Yeah, yeah no, Tulsa is Tulsa. As someone, as I saw someone somewhere, I don't remember where it was. Someone said that Tulsa is basically the Alabama of Oklahoma. So that can't possibly be true. I don't know. I'm not good at geography. You're, make, you're just making that up now. I'm not good people at geography. Are saying, people, people are saying. People things. are saying it. Um, you know, and I think that's important that people do say things. But you know, you're talking about visits, and last weekend was. Huge, as we talked about on the Moving Targets episode of Talking Stuff last Friday, um, there were a handful of kids making key trips around the country. Included in that group were three offensive linemen that Ohio State has uh, narrowed their focus onto. That's Emil Wagner, who visited Penn State, Ernest Green, who visited Georgia, and Cam Dewberry, who visited Oklahoma. And guys, I'm just going to come right out and say it. I don't think any one of those is going in the right direction for Ohio State. I know the Buckeyes kind of salvaged things a little bit with Emil Wagner when he visited for the Oregon game and maybe got themselves back into the conversation. But you're Ohio State recruiting an in-state offensive lineman. You shouldn't be having to get into the conversation. You should sort of be the conversation. Am I wrong? Hold, hold on. Are you trying to tell me that offensive line recruiting is going poorly for Ohio State or there's controversy around it? When in the hell does that ever happen? Yeah, I mean, it just seems, Spencer, like it's never as easy as it – as people want it to be, or people think it should be when it comes to recruiting the offensive line. And I don't understand it because the Buckeyes are producing NFL linemen. They have one of the best offensive lines in the country. They're consistently developing top tier talent and not just doing it with five-star players like Nick Petit Frere or Paris Johnson, but they're doing it with guys like Thayer Munford uh, and Matt Jones and other players that have become really good players. So what, what is the deal? I don't know, but last night I was sitting on the couch on a, we were doing a discussion on the message board and all of a sudden, the Monday Night Football announcers are talking about how great this second-round center is, snapping the ball to the greatest quarterback to ever live, Aaron Rodgers. And so, like, it's pretty crazy to me that Ohio State has trouble recruiting offensive linemen, but at the same time, Ohio State has trouble recruiting offensive linemen. And so uh, it's, it's not great news that all, all three of these guys are trending in the wrong direction. Um, I think that's uh, safe to say that it's not great news, but at the same time, uh, like you said, I'll, I'll get this thing back on track. I think I'm rambling a little. Emil Wagner should not have to, or Ohio State should not have to get in the conversation with Emil Wagner. That is a little ridiculous because Emil Wagner is like a layup for Ohio State. But for some reason, there's like a seven foot six guy standing in the paint ready to block it when you're trying to make this layup. Like, I, I, it, it is kind of bamboozling me a little bit that Ohio State is struggling at offensive line recruiting. It always has, but especially when you're talking about an in state guy who, uh, you know, has, has is friends with some of these Ohio State commits, knows these guys who, who are who are in this class and, and considering the Buckeyes from other classes like that. It, it's really puzzling. Zach, do you think that that is a matter of Emil Wagner's priorities changing over the last few months? When I went and talked to Emil right after he got offered by Ohio State in May, he told me very directly that he wanted to go to a program where he could redshirt and develop. And uh, you talked to him more recently than I did in, in a, you know, in-person setting. Has that changed? Do you feel like these other programs like the, the Penn States and the Kentuckys are, are selling? And that, I'm going to include Notre Dame in the same conversation as Ohio State, which is a place where he is, is feel, feels pretty confident he would redshirt and then have to take a year or two to get ready to play. That's what Notre Dame does. They all, all their offensive linemen are always four or five-year guys. Ohio State's the same way. Is 
is the interest from Kentucky, the interest from Penn State, are they selling him the concept of, hey, you don't need to wait to play. You can come here and play earlier. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a play immediately. Um, but I think at Ohio State, he would have to wait at least two years. I mean, potentially even three like uh, going down the line and at a place like Kentucky, it's wait probably one year and then get a lot, uh, get a uh, chance at earlier playing time. But um, I also, we have to look at the fact that Kentucky just hired Emil Wagner's brother to be on the staff. I think that's, uh, that's a massive hire in terms of anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Getting Emil Wagner. That's, sure, sure. That's, that's a play. Well -timed. That's a, that's it's a good well-timed hire. Um, that's a play if, when they're trying to get Emil Wagner, but also they're also he went on his official or he went on a visit to Kentucky, then Ohio State, then Penn State, and I think at that visit to Kentucky, on top of them hiring his brother, I think that was that was huge for that was a huge visit where they were able to kind of open his eyes and give him um, more of a vision of how he would be used and how how their offense is trending. Um, I know he was talking about. Uh, offensive line intricacies, and he was talking about how they use more. Uh, I think he said wide zone. Now I can't remember the exact uh, phrasing, but he was telling me the different uh, the um, different offensive styles they have. That kind of he feels like it fits him better um, right now. So there is a combination of he wouldn't have to sit as long behind at a place like Kentucky, um, and he might feel like he, they'll use him more efficiently. After Emil's wow. official visit, go ahead. Go ahead, Spencer. While we're on the subject of Kentucky offensive linemen, no, I'm completely kidding. Go ahead, Burm. <laughs> no, we're, we're not talking about Kante Goodwin. <laughs> uh, when it comes, I talked to Emil after his official visit, and he was very, uh, I mean, glowing in the way that he talked about the way Ohio State had developed Nicholas Petit Frere, who coming out of high school out of Tampa, Berkeley um, in 2018 was the number one ranked player in the country, but Nick had the same issue that Emil did, which is he was super skinny and he knew it was going to take him time to put on the weight that it was, uh, that was necessary to compete at a place like Ohio state. He liked what he saw. He liked what he heard. And I, I guess maybe my thought is that Ohio state, knowing that they're only going to take three, maybe four offensive linemen in this class, didn't go all in on Emil Wagner at that point. And I think had they done that, that this conversation would be way different. But I think what they did here was open the door for Kentucky, for Penn State, for Notre Dame and other schools to say, hey, Ohio State doesn't even really want you, do they? Because if they really wanted you, you'd be committed there. I think that's almost like the pitch. Like, hey, if, if they really wanted you, we wouldn't even be recruiting you. So, Zach, I mean, do you get any sense of that in that conversation? That is exactly what I, th I think that was the exact turning point. And I don't want to just say, yeah, Berm, I agree with you 100%. Like, but I agree with you 100%, Berm. I mean, yes, I think that was that was sort of a turning point. And he, I didn't hear from Emil uh, uh, directly, but that was, I mean, like you said, if they would have gone, if they would have gone all in from the start and 
um, prioritized them prioritized them earlier, then I think we would be sitting here uh, uh, saying a little bit different of a story. And go it goes back to um, to the COVID dead period. I know they wanted Ohio State wanted to see him in person before offering, and then kept not had, kept not being able to see him in person, not being able to see him in person. And then they finally said, "All right, screw it," and pulled the trigger. But it might have come not maybe not too late, but it came late, later than than rather than everyone else. Yeah, later than everyone else. And Spencer, do you? I mean, on the other side of that coin, can you blame Ohio State for that? This is a kid who is six 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 foot six, two hundred and forty pounds. Ohio State, knowing they're only going to take three, maybe maybe four offensive linemen, is also recruiting guys like Ernest Green and Cam Dewberry, who are you know six foot six, three hundred and twenty five pound kids who are are playing at in Texas and playing at St. John Bosco with the biggest and best high school program in the country. Doesn't it make sense to prioritize those kids ahead of him? Because if, if you do go all in with Emil Wagner in June after that official visit and he commits, then all of a sudden you're sitting at your three offensive linemen and then you risk losing out on, on Ernest Green or, or Cam Dewberry. So how, how do you reconcile that? I mean, I, I guess there's this idea, like you just have to be upfront and honest with these kids from the start. So, Hey, this is what we're doing. But, there's so many great options out there for kids these days that it becomes almost um, almost a detriment to be that upfront with them because they can just read it and say, hey, you you guys want other people in front of me. Well, first of all, I'm definitely cutting out the clip where you say kids these days because I think it's hilarious. Kids Second these all, days. <laughs> Get off all, my like, lawn. This is one of those rare instances, in my opinion, where it actually hurts Ohio State to have that national blueprint for recruiting. I mean, it just it, it happens once every few cycles where – you know, Ohio State's going to go out and recruit the best players imaginable, the best players possible. And that means sometimes you have to pass over a player from in-state and go get the national kid. Uh, you know, cough, cough, Quinn Ewers, Drew Aller. And then sometimes every once in a while, every few years, it's going to come and bite you in the butt. And, you know, when you go after a guy like Ernest Green, you go after a guy like Cam Dewberry, both of those recruitments start to head in a different direction. And, and then you go back to that in-state guy and you start to push the chips all in on him. Like these kids are smart. They know what they're doing. They know the game. Like it, every once in a while, it just bites Ohio State. And, and you see it, you know, once every three or four cycles. And this might just be one of those recruitments that it actually happens in. They do know the game and the game is being told to them by their by the opposing coaches. Which, Absolutely. Which is somewhat inge- disingenuous because they're only telling the kids this, that they're telling kids that this, but they're doing the exact same thing to someone else. So it's like, I mean, you just have to to throw those balls in the air, I guess, and see where they land. But I mean, Zach, it's not like Ohio State doesn't have other options on the offensive line. There's Carson Hinsman, who ironically, maybe that's not the right use of the word, ironically, I don't know. He's going to make a decision probably before Emil Wagner, Ernest Green, and Cam Dewberry does. And so if if Carson Hinsman kind of throws a wrench into things and commits to Ohio State over Wisconsin, then a lot of this is a moo point, isn't it? It's a moo point. Is that a Joey line? Joey for yeah, friend? Yeah, yeah. I love it. I, I love it. you know I'm I'm the resident movie reference and quote guy. So you know I love that in TV show. Yeah. Um Carson Hinsman doesn't he feel like uh for lack of a better word, like the forgotten guy in this he, he absolutely life. does. He's I like mean the, he absolutely he's the guy I keep forgetting about. But he was at Ohio State for the Oregon game. Uh, he, he's down uh, essentially to, to two schools, Ohio State and Wisconsin, with Minnesota on the periphery. Spencer, let me ask you this. This is sort of out of left field. But this Carson Hinsman, 
went to Wisconsin to visit the Badgers on September 4th when they lost to Penn State. Then he went to Ohio State on September 11th when they lost to Oregon. Does anyone want this kid to ever visit their campus again? Uh, probably not. I mean, that's that's a pretty uh, pretty bad look for Carson Hinsman. I'm not sure if uh, anybody will even want to play football for him anymore. I mean, if he's going to be there and all you do is lose, then then who wants him? But I guess what? I'll get this, you know, back on track. Like, sorry, Zach, just I'll be quick. Like, this is one of those things where it kind of reminds me of a Will a Mill Wagner in Ohio State. Like, this is an in-state kid in Wisconsin who has Wisconsin in his final two and is – uh, you know, if he wanted to be committed to Wisconsin right now as an offensive lineman, we're at a place where they, you know, breed offensive linemen, like he would be committed to Wisconsin. And so this is a recruitment that is flying under the radar for a lot of people, but I might throw my hat in the ring and say that he will be the next commitment at Ohio state, because it's just the kind of, kind of guy that you're starting to get that feel like Staying close to home is not as big of a draw as, as trying to go somewhere special. Do you, do you, blame, do you, do you compare that to like Blake Miller, who, you know, when he committed to Clemson, I kept saying on our shows, like if he wanted to be a Buckeye, he would have been by now. Like what, what, what holds you off? And Zach, when you're talking about a kid like this, isn't the question ultimately, do I want to play at the brand of Ohio state or do I want to play at my hometown school? Like, is that all it comes down to? It's not just the hometown school. It's Wisconsin. He's an offensive yeah. lineman. So, I mean, that's a double, that's a double whammy right there of, I mean, we all, we all know what Wisconsin does and how they, how they develop, uh, develop offensive linemen. Um, I think that is what it's going to come down to. And I mean, if the official visits, they're both, um, if they're both uh, like kind of on equal ground there, I mean, win or lose, but um, then I think he's probably seen all he's need to see at this point in, in his process. Don't you just wish that he would wait until maybe Ohio State and Wisconsin play in the Big Ten championship game and says the winner gets my gets my commitment? I mean, I think if, not I that think more kids. I game. think if more kids did that, it'd be kind of awesome. Like if they just showed up at the game and then like afterward, instead of like getting a Big Ten championship trophy, the kid comes out and like gives a letter to the coach of the school that he's going to, and he's like, "Will you accept my rose?" That is, that's yeah. all I that's all I ever want is for a kid, a five star kid, like ranked in the top ten, just come out and publicly say it. And then, and then winner gets me national championship. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Uh we're we're running long here, folks, and I apologize for that. I also apologize earlier for the internet issues. I, you know, again, we you don't know what happens on the internet. I will say that if you didn't hear some of the things we were talking about, I'm sorry, because it was really great stuff. Uh, we're going to finish up here, though, guys, talking about one other thing that I think is just interesting. We started the show talking about the Buckeyes defense and the struggles there. But it seems like if you look at the way that the Buckeyes are recruiting the class of 2023, they seem pretty hell-bent on keeping this defensive scheme in place because they offered two linebackers in the last week from Florida in the class of 2023, both of them at like six foot 100 or six foot one, 205 pounds. Clearly, they're recruiting that bullet position aggressively. Yeah, and I think when you look at the 24 class, I mean, you got have guys like Edwin Spillman who are kind of cut from the same cloth. So I think – and I, I think you mentioned this last uh, last night, Monday night, um, in the chat, the uh, Monday night chat, which I think we're going to uh, start doing a lot more. So hopefully people got a kick out of that. Yes. We'll so join that. us on the Letterman Row forums at, on 3.com. Go ahead. Um, so we're talking about consi- keeping consistency in place of – you don't want there to be constant changes where you bring in a whole different 
completely different scheme. And I think, I mean, Ryan Day's in charge. Uh, Ryan Day's in charge of what yeah. defense scheme he wants to run. He's made it clear he wants to run this one. So I think at this point, maybe it's it's just a point of trying to get the right personnel to fit that fit that scheme, and then kind of maybe deviate from it like in in small ways uh, down the road. But it, it looks like you're right. I think it. I think with the guys that they are targeting and making priorities and offering, it, it looks pretty clear that they want to they want to keep this this uh this scheme going spencer i I want to put a bow on this i'm going to go to you and ask you this question and you can please finish your thought that i just interrupted you on because i'm a rude i'm a rude boy um and here's the question though did it work in 2019 because the players that were at ohio state the jeff okuda the damon arnett's the chase young's the jordan fuller's because those guys were so good they could play any scheme because clearly it, it is ryan day's decision that he wants this scheme but after talking to him, talking to other players, talking to Jordan Fuller, who I have an interview with on, on Letterman Row on, on Wednesday afternoon, you have to have the right dudes to run this system. And is that why we see a very specific type of player being recruited, do you think? No, I think it, you also have to have a coach that's done it before. Kerry Combs has never coached this scheme before. And so I don't want to get too in the weeds as far as the current roster right now because this is a recruiting show and that would be stupid of me. But you you have to have a guy who knows how to coach that exact scheme because that scheme is complex. It's not an easy thing to to coach. It's not an easy thing to play. So, yes, it's it's player-driven. Football is player-driven always. And and those players were are all very good NFL players because they were good college players who knew that scheme and could could do it because they were just gifted, so gifted. But when you look at the scheme now, Kerry Combs has never coached it before. And so I think he's just still getting comfortable trying to coach it. And that's leading to some issues. But in the future, if if he continues to have time or if you know they get somebody in there who who knows the scheme, I think this could be a successful defense. And I, I'm gonna take it a little differently than than you know, recruiting a lot of the bullet guys. I think Ohio State's just looking for dudes at linebacker who are six foot or six foot one that are all just going to hit really hard and are going to play really fast and physical. Like, if you could get a bunch of six foot one CJ Hicks out there, like, that would be great because those are great linebackers. Like, those guys work as fast physical linebackers who like to fly around. And so I think Ohio State's more so just looking for those guys and then they'll figure out who gets to play the bullet or who gets to play the the rover that Craig Young was playing. So I'm not even going to call him a bullet. I don't know what position you would even call that from Saturday, but like, you're just going to get a bunch of guys in this room and then be like, all right, this is where you're going to play this, where you're going to play because the athleticism will trump everything. Jimmy's and Joe's not X's and O's, right? Absolutely. Speaking of X's and O's since, but Berm, didn't you say you're not the X's and O's, uh, Duber guy, what did you say on the, the I don't line? know, breaker downer guy. I don't know, man. Never I, was. Sometimes I get I, I'm like I'm like so high on mac and cheese bites at by that point that I don't I can't really even control the thoughts I have in my mind because every thought I have is sort of clouded by ooey gooey cheesy goodness. For a second, when you said I'm not I'm high on met. I was thought we were going to go a little bit different direction. That was really. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad the internet held up at that point. Yes. What a what a great time for for it to freeze if that would have happened. But anyway, so would we say Spencer's our resident X's and O's guy here? Then, since I mean, out, I of, out of us three, that. certainly, I think more so than you or I. I don't so, jack crap about jack crap. I just know I, that you know good players make teams better. 
I went back and found uh, the quote while we were talking here from Emil Wagner. And he was talking about at Kentucky, the, the, uh, the style of offense that they run. He said that uh, their new offense coordinator, Coach Cohen, um, Liam Cohen, I believe is his first name, uh, said they were showing him uh, wide zones and a lot of play actions, different concepts like that, that really, to him, fits his his style. How does that compare, Spencer, to, to the style that Ryan Day has with their, especially with their run game, I would say, and their, I guess the run mixed with the pass game? Well, I would tell you to watch the Los Angeles Rams because that's where Liam Cohen is from, and he, uh, I believe, combed uh, – Sean McVay's hair once. And so he got a good job and because that's what coaches do right now on offense in the NFL and in college. So uh, yeah, that, that's basically the Rams system. Whereas Ohio state would run, you know, Ohio state runs Ohio state's things where it wants to be a power running game. And I think Emil is more fit anyway. Like, I think I agree with him. I think he's more cut out for that, you know, get, get guys out in space and get a bunch of athletic offensive linemen than he is to, to play Ohio state's power run spread that, that they want to do because Ohio State's looking for athletic guys who look like Dewan Jones and not athletic guys who look like Emil Wagner. I mean, and that's just the fact of the matter. Like they put weight on. I don't know Nicholas if that's what Petit. they're looking for, but it's what they have. Yeah. But they put weight on Nicholas Petit Frere for a reason. Like they made him 315 for a reason. They didn't want him to be, you know, 290 or, or 295. Like there's a reason for that because they want to keep that power running game. Whereas you're going to see Kentucky go to these athletic offensive linemen and try to get out in space. And so that's, that's all that is, Zach. I think that it basically comes down to this, though, for every team in the country. The goal is to find the biggest, fastest, strongest, most athletic players who can do everything on the football field at any given time. I don't believe that because I have yet to be recruited by Ohio State. So I, I don't think you're mm. accurate. But. I think your eligibility is up, and so is our time. So that's where we have to end it. Zach, you can put together your recruiting tape and send it to Mark Pantoni. I'm sure he will take a look at it. That's Spencer Holbrook. That's Zach Carpenter. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and Byers Auto. Please join us uh, at LettermanRow.com, part of the On3 Network, as we continue to talk stuff about Ohio State recruiting here, now, and forever. Thanks for watching. See you. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.